Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got terrific and interesting guests for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Timothy Head is the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. We'll be talking about the 2022 elections. Jay Green at the Heritage Foundation will be joining us, as well as former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. It is December the 30th, and on this day in 1922, in post-revolutionary Russia, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics of the USSR was established, comprising a confederation of Russia, Belarusa, Ukraine and the Transcaucasian Federation, also known as the Soviet Union, the new communist state was the successor to the Russian Empire and the first country in the world to be based on Marxist socialism. During the Russian Revolution of 1917 and subsequent three-year Russian Civil War, the Bolshevik Party under Vladimir uh, Lenin dominated Soviet forces, a con coalition of workers and soldiers committees that called for the establishment of a socialist state in the former Russian Empire. In the USSR, all levels of government were controlled by the Communist Party and the party's Politburo, with its increasing powerful general secretary and effectively ruled the country. Soviet industry was owned and managed by the state, and agricultural land was divided into state-run collective farms. In the decades after it was established, the Russian-dominated Soviet Union grew into one of the world's most powerful and influential states and eventually encompassed 15 republics. In 1991, the Soviet Union was dissolved following the collapse of its communist government. The great experiment of Marxism, how long did it last? Not so long, did it? And uh, what a f miserable failure. And again, people here, Bernie Sanders and the like, want to try it one more time here in the United States. It's sure to work this time, right? Well, a man suffered serious injuries Wednesday when he attempted to feed the pet uh, and pet a tiger after hours in the Naples Zoo at Caribbean Gardens. According to the sheriff's office, a member of the third-party cleaning service, a man in his 20s, entered an unauthorized area near the tiger that was inside its enclosure. The tiger was shot by the sheriff's in the uh, deputies in an effort to free the man. It later died, according to the zoo spokesperson. That's the tiger. The zoo had one tiger, Eco, a male Malaysian uh, ti tiger. According to the sheriff's Facebook post, the cleaning company is responsible for cleaning restrooms and the gift shop, not animal enclosures. Preliminary information indicates the man was either petting or feeding the animal, sticking his hand through the fencing, and the tiger grabbed his arm and pulled it into the enclosure. Deputies arrived about 6.30 p.m., and the first deputy kicked the enclosure and uh, tried to get the tiger to release the man's arm, and then the deputy shot the animal. The man was seriously injured and transported by Kyer EMS uh, up to uh, as a trauma, trauma alert. Well, the uh, guy being where he shouldn't have been, not know if uh, they should be supervising the efforts of the cleaning company, but my goodness, uh, you don't stick your arm 
in the enclosure. I hope he's going to be okay at age uh, 20 or so. He probably didn't make good judgment there. For sure he didn't. Uh, but, uh, you know, these animals have basic instincts, and, uh, you know, who knows what sets that off. Well, the British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell was convicted Wednesday of luring teenage girls to be sexually abused by the American millionaire Jeffrey Epstein. The verdict capped a month-long trial featuring sordid accounts of the sexual exploitation of girls as young as 14 years of age. Uh, told by four women who described being abused as teens in the 1990s and early 2000s at Epstein's uh, palatial homes in Florida, New York, and New Mexico. Legal and fights uh, involving Epstein and Maxwell are not over. Maxwell still awaits trials on two counts of perjury. Lawsuits involving the abused allegations also continue, including one in which a woman was involved in a trial. Uh, Virginia Griff uh, said she was coerced into sexual encounters with Prince Andrew when she was 17. Andrew denied the account, of course, and uh, so we'll all sort that out during the trial. I'm not going to go into the sordid details because it's pretty gruesome. But uh, she was convicted of uh, most of the accounts, all but one account. She uh, apparently, right now, if this maximum sentence could be up to 65 years. We'll see how this solves. She'll probably spend the rest of her life in jail. However, if she, quote-unquote, sings about some of the uh, patrons of these services, like Prince Andrew and others, uh, perhaps she could get her sentence reduced. We'll consider that. Well, Senator Tom Cotton said the nation's war on crime must begin with recalling, removing, and replacing every last district attorney with ties to left-wing billionaire George Soros. He wrote that it's no coincidence the largest increase in murder in American history and the largest number of drug overdose deaths ever recorded has coincided with the city's electing radical left-wing George Soros progressives to district attorney offices. Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascon, who has refused to prosecute a number of crimes, won his race with money from Soros, as did incoming Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who also vowed not to prosecute trespassing, prostitution, and resisting arrest. Cotton wrote, these legal arsonists condemn our rule of law as systematic, systematically racist and have not simply abused prosecutorial discretion. They have embraced prosecutorial nullification. As a result, a contagion of crime has infected virtually every neighborhood under their charge. Soros prosecutors refuse to enforce laws against shoplifting, drug trafficking, and the entire categories of felonies and misdemeanors. In Chicago, Cook County State uh, Attorney Kim Fox allows theft under $1,000 to go unpunished, and we've seen the results of that. In Manhattan, District Attorney Cyrus Vance refuses to enforce laws against prostitution. In Baltimore, State Attorney's Marilyn Mosby has unilaterally declared the war on drugs over and is refusing to criminally charge drug dealers in the middle of the worst drug crisis in American history. For a time, Los Angeles District Attorney George Cascone even stopped enforcing laws against disturbing the peace, resisting arrest, and making criminal threats. Of all these cities that have paid a terrible price for these insane policies, last year the number of homicides in Chicago rose 56%, and more than 1,000 Cook County residents have been murdered in 2021. In New York City, murder increased 47%. It's been absolutely terrible, the violence that we've seen. 
Uh, so Cotton is basically saying the Republican Party must join with independents and common sense Democrats to wage an unrelenting war on crime, Cotton wrote. This war must begin with a campaign to recall, remove, and replace every last Soros prosecutor. Throw the bums out, he said, and I couldn't agree more. It's nice to see somebody with a, a national voice uh, raising this issue. I don't know what authority he might have. The voters are going to have to deal with this and uh, local authorities. But uh, again, bring this to the attention of the entire population. Number one could probably prevent another Soros candidate from coming into power. I mean, Soros throws hundreds of thousands of dollars at these candidates' elections. Uh, which really uh, dwarfs the amount of money that's available for others that run against these people. And uh, they are not enforcing the law, and you're seeing the consequences. Lots of crime, and uh, the, it's, this is what happens when you don't have the rule of law. Well, preliminary findings from a study suggest infection with Omicron variant of coronavirus could boost a person's immunity against the more severe Delta variant, South African scientists at the African Health Research Institute in Durban examined 33 unvaccinated and vaccinated individuals who contracted the Omicron variant. They found that the people who were infected with Omicron developed enhanced immunity to the Delta variant. Their immunity was even stronger if they had previously been vaccinated against COVID-19. The study, which has not yet been peer-reviewed, also finds that Omicron could displace Delta as the dominant coronavirus variant. The increase in Delta variant neutralization in the individual infected with Omicron may result in decreased ability of Delta to reinfect into the, these individuals. So uh, the message here is it may be a good thing if you actually contract the Omicron variant and develop immunity, natural immunities uh, from uh, the virus. Uh, of course, it's really running rampant here in the uh, United States. Uh, South Florida's largest hospital operators have run out of or are waiting on their first shipments of a type of monoclonal antibody treatment considered to be the most effective against the Omicron variant of COVID-19. Healthcare system uh, NCH, which operates the largest hospital in Collier, is waiting on its first shipment of sotrovimab. <laughs> sotrovimab. Uh, spokesman Sean O'Connell said Wednesday, we've not been informed yet as to how many doses we will receive or when it's distributed by the federal government to the Florida Department of Health, which allocates doses throughout the state. Of course, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services last announced a shipment of 55,000 doses nationally on December the 17th, including 1,050 doses that were allocated for Florida. So this is pretty pathetic. Now, why is the federal government responsible for shipping uh, these? Why aren't we just going to the uh, private vendors who sell this stuff? Well, it's because the federal government has intervened. And uh, now our own uh, Florida Surgeon General George Joseph Lopato has sent a letter to Xavier Becerra, uh, who's the uh, uh, Health and Human Services Secretary, and accused the Biden administration of actively preventing the distribution of life-saving COVID-19 treatment. And uh, again, <laughs> this is incredible that the federal government would interfere with health life-saving drugs here in Florida. You may be aware that there's uh, centers throughout the state of Florida to provide these monoclonal antibodies 
And now, uh, tracing the source back, Willapato is basically saying it's the federal government, it's the Biden administration that's preventing the distribution of these. It's murder. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Higher Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way towards keeping seniors connected in the community and with each other. Serving all of Collier County, the Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding resources and services that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers, empowering seniors to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Programs are offered free of charge in a safe, welcoming space and focus on fellowship, enrichment and wellness, continuing education and meeting basic needs through offerings such as daily hot lunch, health screenings, and counseling services. So whether you're looking for referrals to services or a vibrant place to make friends, enjoy community support, or learn something new, Collier Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center is your Collier Senior Center. To learn more about programs and services, please visit CollierSeniorResources.org. That's CollierSeniorResources.org. Or call the Senior Center directly at 239 239- 252-4534. That's 252-3534. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by at the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Jay Green from the Heritage Foundation. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, always a pleasure to talk with you, Bob. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Tell us about the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, the Florida Citizens Alliance is just everyday people who care about children and want children to have the best education possible. 
and we work on a lot of levels to do that. Sometimes in Tallahassee, sometimes our local teams in a in a certain county will work on something. But we just try to to be there to help the people that care about kids, and in some ways to be the amplification of their voice, so that people that need to hear what they have to say actually hear it. So you know, we have a great time doing it. Yeah, uh, go FLCA is the website, Pastor Rick. And you know, here we are at year end, and it's been quite a decade, quite a year actually, for the accomplishments and uh, uh, really improving the quality of education, public education here in Florida. I I really credit the Florida Citizens Alliance, the work of you and Rick Flora, for what you've accomplished, and of course many others as well. Uh, maybe we could just reflect a little bit on what's happened in the last year. Well, you're really kind in your comments and. Uh... We, we try to be – we've had – but we do think we've, we've been able to have a voice of, among the people that need to make the decisions and make the right decisions. And one of those things, we joined with a lot of other groups. You know, we work with lots of like-minded groups. We don't uh, compete with them. We cooperate with them. And we were all so pleased, I mean, ecstatic, really, to see the legislature pass the Parents' Bill of Rights and then for the governor to come out and sign it and continue to add his voice of support. That bill was fought for in the legislature for three years. I mean, sometimes we think things should happen quickly, and sometimes they should. But this took a long time to get through. People hung in there. They persevered. And and I can't tell you how significant that is. We're just beginning to see that across Florida because school boards have to relearn their behaviors and realize that these children are the parents' responsibility. We need to trust the parents. We need to bring the parents into the process. And we needed to respect the parents' decisions relative to their children. Yeah. And that's a, that's a significant shift. But my goodness, what a great shift that is. It's just terrific. It certainly is. I, I, just to underscore that, we see evidence all the time of uh, uh, people speaking out and saying, well, look, the parents should not have a say in the quality or the, the direction of education, public education in schools, and, as if the children were wards of the state. and. And uh, it's actually the parents that are making a decision to send their kids to public school. They have other choices, and especially here in Florida. That's right. And, and we need to have them have more choices. You know, one of the things we talk about, the hopes for the future, as we look back a little bit, and along with this Parents' Bill of Rights, I talked to a guy recently, and he, he went all through school and didn't like it. And I said to him, can you imagine what it would be like for every child to wake up every day so excited they could hardly wait to get to school? Yeah. And, and most people can't think about that, but those are the things parents ought to have the opportunity to do. That's yeah, it's so true. And uh, I'll just point out that this is actually goes back a couple of years, but Common Core used to be the, uh, the, 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 I guess, the aspiration of uh, public schools, and uh, now Common Core has been re- been uh, removed and replaced, and of course that's in large part because of the efforts of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Yeah, we were right there working on that, and that was a huge victory. And uh, it's hard to describe the uh, relief that we felt, the uh, total change of paradigm about education going forward that we felt at that point, and to celebrate because we were supporting the parents all across Florida. You remember those days. Parents were up in arms. Yep. They couldn't believe what was happening. And we were so glad to bring this kind of relief to the parents and the students because the kids were struggling as well. So, 
you know, those are the kind of things you look back on. They give you energy for the next step, so to speak, keep you from giving up or being discouraged. Yeah, absolutely. I'll point out that here, this organization, Florida Citizens Alliance, that was founded 10 years ago, and I recall attending the, uh, attending the very first meeting just after Barack Obama was elected. Uh, I'll never forget that. And uh, here we are 10 years later, a decade later. Think of all the positive changes. Now, the, here's strangers showing up on the doorsteps of the legislature, knocking on doors saying we want to be helpful. And you can imagine how long it, it took to to create the, the credibility and the influence and the traction in, in the legislature and with the Commission of Education and with the governor. And certainly you have these their ears today. Yeah, it did take some perseverance, and a lot of people get discouraged because they think, "Well, why don't why don't they just do what I ask them to do?" <laughs> and <laughs> and they're right in, in many respects, but uh, in many other respects, the legislators, the governor, the commissioner, they want to know: Are you really serious about this? And are you going to stick with this, or are you just kind of coming in to blow off steam? And we've learned that one of the things is just don't quit. I would say all the parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, concerned about their kids' education, just don't quit. It's worth it. Keep at it. Well, you know, I'd like to talk to you about the things and the aspirations that you have going forward in 2022. But with because of our time constraints, I, I would like to close with a discussion about the big event coming up on March the 9th. Oh, yeah, we're, we're really excited about that. We're going to host Dennis Prager and Charlie Kirk in a conversation about education. Now, these gentlemen know each other, but they have never appeared on the same stage like this before. Hmm. And so we're so excited to have them there. Not only are they going to each speak and tell their perspective on education and, and liberty in general, but then something I don't think they have ever done before a live audience, we're going to ask them to have a conversation about some of these things and, and kind of go back and forth. We're still working on the details of that. We don't know exactly how that's going to work. But these are the kind of things that you come to these events and you hear things you will never get any other way because in the moment, you, you just get a different flavor for it. So I would really want to invite people to, to go to our events page, goflca.org or .com, whichever people prefer, it goes to the same place, and buy a ticket, sign up for that March 9th at the, at the Ritz-Carlton Tiburon. It's going to be so exciting. Exciting indeed. I'm looking forward to it myself. Pastor Rick Stevens, again, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. And again, the, the website, very robust and informative website, is goflca.com or, or goflca.com. Pastor Rick, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob, and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Timothy Head. He's the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Golf Shore Playhouse, not only building a performing arts center in downtown Naples, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, going to visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now, we have with us Timothy Head. He is the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Timothy, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for uh, for having me, and uh, uh, a belated Merry Christmas, but uh, I'm excited about a, a, a New Year's uh, Eve and a new year coming up upon us. Uh, this is a, a good, uh, a great, great time of year. Absolutely, Timothy. Well, thank you, for, and same back, right back at you. So uh, tell us about the Faith and Freedom uh, Coalition. You bet. Well, uh, well, our organization is uh, we're based in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, but uh, but we are actually a national organization. So we work in, in Washington D.C. and and uh, we actually have chapters in about half of the states now. Uh, but we uh, we exist the way that we we like to say it as we uh, we work on public policy from a biblical worldview and a constitutional framework. And so we. Uh, we work a lot on public policy related to uh, to life and to marriage and family, uh, religious liberty, Israel, uh, a host of other kind of biblical uh, issues that are touched on in the Bible. And then uh, we also uh, like to say that, that uh, one of our major roles is to give Christians a voice in government. So we uh, we're, we're kind of championing uh, um, biblical issues and also uh, representing uh, people of faith, especially uh, evangelical Christians in uh, the halls of Congress and state legislatures across the country. Yep. You have a website, uh, Tim? 
You do, we, we do. We're, uh, you can uh, learn more about us at ffcoalition.com, like Frank Frank or Faith and Freedom, uh, ffcoalition.com. ffcoalition.com. Thank you, thank you, Tim. Well, so we have uh, these 2022 elections coming up, and it looks like the tables are being set or the, the pins are being set for uh, some good success uh, coming into 2022. What are your thoughts from the perspective of the Faith and Freedom Coalition? Well, uh, you're, you're exactly right that, uh, you know, we're, we've just uh, seen across the country, every state, as, as uh, your listeners are, are well aware, that we, um, we redo our, our congressional lines and state legislative lines in redistricting every year. And so uh, uh, pretty much every state is done with that now. There are a couple that are still uh, kind of straggling. Uh, so we've got uh, all new, uh, you know, uh, congressional and state senate, state house um, uh, lines across the country that are uh, uh, lining up really for a, a pretty interesting um, election cycle in 2022. Primaries, you know, obviously uh, happening earlier in the year, and then the uh, the generals happening uh, at the end of next year. Uh, to be honest with you, I would say, you know, right now there's a narrow margin in terms of D.C. There's an there's a 50-50 kind of toss-up, obviously, in the U.S. Senate, and then the uh, the House. The Democrats hold a, 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 a extremely narrow uh, majority. Uh, right now, the overwhelming um, uh, kind of sea uh, winds are, are uh, pulling us really, really strongly towards, uh, frankly, a pretty overwhelming, maybe even a historic um, uh, U.S. House uh, uh, flip. Uh, you know, I would say that there's a very, very strong chance that uh, that Republicans pick up uh, maybe up to 40 uh, seats. And so, you know, you wow. could be looking in uh, in 2023. Um, you could be looking at like a you know 200 and uh, maybe even 240 to 245. Uh, uh, Republican seats, which would would put that at you know about 190 or 195 uh, 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 Democrat seats, and so that would be an, an really uh, one of the largest uh, uh, disparities in about a, about a century, frankly. And then uh, the, you know the U.S. Senate race races are going to be very tight. Uh, I think that uh, uh, at the moment, uh, I would say the the quality of, of uh, candidates that are um, Signing up, so to speak, for uh, for the Republicans is actually quite strong. Uh, we're based here in uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, our, our national headquarters for Faith and Freedom, and um, you know I think a lot of people in Georgia are are really anticipating what's shaping up to be a Herschel Walker hmm. uh, versus Raphael Warnock uh, uh, Senate race, which is is going to be uh, really one of the most high profile races, uh, probably the most high profile race in the United States. Yep. Uh, come next year. Yeah. So, uh, what is all, and, and hopefully it'll lead to uh, a majority of uh, Republicans in the in the uh, Senate. Of course, that doesn't always spell for victory in some of the important issues. What are some of the things that you're supporting going forward that kind of uh, you're you're pleased about when you think about uh, 2022 and the elections coming up? What are some of the issues that are important to you? Well, you know, uh, I think that, um, you know, maybe we can talk about some of the progress that we've seen uh, in 2021. You know, sure. it's, it's an interesting dynamic that uh, that we kind of see over over time that, uh, you know, whenever whenever there's um, either either a, a, a progressive um, kind of 
majority in in, uh, in Washington D.C. or uh, there's kind of gridlock in Washington D.C. You actually find that a lot of states end up kind of stepping up to the plate. Mm-hmm. We saw that a lot in uh, in 2021, and so you know I think a, a lot of uh, a lot of folks you know certainly had had a lot of concern on election integrity coming out of the 2020 election cycle. Uh, we had uh, almost 20, almost half of the of the states in the country passed significant election uh, integrity uh, reforms in 2021, uh, and uh, and I think that 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 bore itself out uh, ironically even in Virginia. You know, the the Commonwealth of Virginia had uh, had high uh, had a very high profile uh, governor's race, lieutenant governor and attorney general that uh, that really saw. Um, you know, for a lot of us that were watching closely um, and, and uh, engaged in that race, it was not a surprise. But I think a lot of the country was surprised to see Glenn Youngkin uh, be able to uh, to pull off a pretty strong race, uh, a pretty strong uh, victory there. Yeah. Uh, so you've got a, a really, really committed uh, person of faith, a very strong Christian in uh, in Glenn Youngkin, and also in Winsome Sears, and also in Jason Yarez, the new Attorney General. Uh, there in in Virginia, so you know, very encouraging on the legislative front. I think across the the country, and then uh, you know, I actually saw the the highest profile electoral race this year, uh, kind of uh, uh, attack uh, pretty strongly to the right. And yet, you also have to certainly have to comment real quickly this uh, this Dobbs case, uh, the Supreme Court case, um, touching on on the Roe versus Wade, and also the the Casey. Um, uh, uh, you know, high-profile um, abortion uh, abortion uh, rulings from the past. I think a lot of people are highly anticipating the the opinion that's going to come down in in uh, probably in June of 2022, uh, based on the questioning that was coming out of the Supreme Court. This new, you know, newly formed uh, uh, Supreme Court uh, that we're or that we're dealing with these days. Uh, I think a lot of people are highly anticipating uh, a significant uh, uh, rollback and very possibly essentially a gutting of Roe versus Wade. Well, well perhaps a, huge implications. Yeah, perhaps taking the federal government out of the entire equation and saying this is really a, a state's rights issue and should be these issues should be determined by the states, I think, which is probably the proper role of, mm-hmm. uh, of our governments right now. That's right. What, what are some of the, uh, if in, in a perfect world, and uh, many would say it is a perfect world, <laughs> what, what are some of the things that uh, you'd like to see accomplished in 2022? Well, uh, you know, uh, assuming uh, what we just talked about with that Dobbs case, um, that uh, that doesn't uh, end the question or end, end the, uh, the challenges related to uh, to life and, and abortion in the states, and mm-hmm. so we're already um, working pretty uh, proactively in uh, a whole a host of states uh, to make sure that uh, that states respond uh, accordingly. And uh, and I, I would say um, right now we're probably like at six or seven states that are uh, kind of preemptively uh, looking at uh, at what they can do to anticipate a potential Dobbs. Uh, um, uh, opinion. I'd say Florida is one of those. As a matter of fact, uh, the, the legislature, um, I think, is is uh, positioned to respond to that very well this year. Yeah, uh, you know, we also uh, are, you know, looking uh, on the federal side, uh, you know, believe it or not, the uh, the questions are related to immigration continue to percolate. And uh, I don't know that we'll, we'll see any, any uh, uh, significant 
legislation passed, but at least there are meaningful studies being done by Congress on, uh, you know, just a, a very uh, challenging uh, immigration sa- uh, situation on, the, on our southern border. And so we've got southern states, uh, border states, working with Congress to uh, try to, um, to to patch a lot of the uh, really uh, imperfections of our immigration system right now. Yes. So, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Timothy again, Executive Director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. I really appreciate the uh, the focus and the lobbying and the influence that you're having on conference and what you're working to accomplish. Again, the website, ffcoalition.com, ffcoalition.com. Timothy, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's uh, my pleasure. Y'all, uh, y'all have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas, a uh, wonderful New Year's, and uh, and uh, we uh, we always look forward to being with you. So, uh, so uh, have a great day today. Thank you, Timmy. You you as well. All right, coming up, Jay Green. He is with the Heritage Foundation. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, 
personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with the uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now, we have with us Jay Green from the Heritage Foundation. Jay, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on the show. Always a pleasure, Jay. Tell us about the Heritage Foundation. Sure. So the Heritage Foundation is rated by uh, a widely considered measure to be the most influential think tank in the world, um, which is a good place to work um, <laughs> because uh, we produce uh, research and analysis uh, that are committed to true north principles of conservatism, uh, and uh, and we're committed to making those ideas turn into uh, policy uh, to protect those those conservative principles. Heritage.org is the website, heritage.org. So, Jay, you wrote a very interesting piece on uh, our research shows many DEI, that's diversity, equity, and inclusion staff, have a blind spot when it comes to Jews. Maybe you could tell us about it. Sure. So, I mean, the words diversity and inclusion certainly sound nice. Equity sounds like sort of like a nice thing, equality, um, although if you know more about equity, it's not so nice. Um, but these all sound like nice things, and people want to support things that sound nice. Mm-hmm. But it turns out the people who are devoted to promoting those words on college campuses are often promoting the opposite of those nice things. They're, they're doing the opposite of diversity and the opposite of inclusion, and we can see that particularly with respect to Jews. But Honestly, this is not only uh, about Jews. It's just easier to see it there, but it's actually part of their activity against many other groups on campus. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty clear right now that uh, the whole notion is to divide and help make people uh, distrust other people. That's the whole uh, purpose of the identity politics. I'd particularly be curious, and I'm sure listeners would as well, as to uh, what's happening with regard to the Jewish population in schools. Sure. So anti-Semitic incidents on campus have risen dramatically over the last several years, um, and it's because far left-wing activists have become emboldened. They're organized and protected by DEI staff, um, and they're less likely to be punished uh, for activities that would lead to punishment if they were targeting other groups on campus. But this is also true of conservative groups on campus, Christian groups on campus, um, uh, you know, it, it's, again, th- as you say, identity politics um, is dividing the world into two categories, oppressor and oppressed. And the oppressor category deserves harsh treatment, and the oppressed deserve protection. And then it's just a matter of who gets put into which category. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Jews are placed in the oppressor category, according to DEI staff, uh, and therefore deserve the harsh treatment they receive on campus. Unbelievable. So, Jay, do you think this is a concerted effort? Do you think this has been orchestrated, or what are your thoughts? I don't think it's a it's a conspiracy uh, that's orchestrated. I think that it flows naturally from a worldview um, that is widely held among DEI staff. Mm-hmm. And again, this worldview is kind of a watered-down Marxism. Uh, they, they would never uh, describe it as Marxism, but that that is basically what it is. And again, it's just a division of the world into into these oppressor and oppressed camps. Marx divided that uh, according to class, 
and the new DEI ideology divides it by uh, identity, racial, ethnic, and, and sex identity, but, um, but the basic logic of it is the same. You know, Jay, it's so ironic that we send these kids off to college uh, for an education to learn how discourse, to learn to debate, and to learn to uh, understand different points of view on issues, to learn to think critically. And ironically, what do they get? They end up uh, being taught how to distrust, how to not debate, how to how to avoid information or repress information. It's just ridiculous. It is, although, I, I mean, I don't know. Ironically, we could say there's good news uh, that a lot of students don't believe what they're told about these things. Right. Um, they do learn to parrot it back because they think that's what they have to do to survive on campus, and, and that may be true uh, for them. But, but, you know, the good news is uh, our children are not so easily brainwashed. Um, and this is really an, an effort being orchestrated by a relatively small group of students and faculty on campus. The majority don't agree with these views, don't like them. We'll oppose them if we can get them organized and mobilized in that effort, and that's part of what we're trying to do here with this study. So interesting, Jay. Well, you know, I, I've actually talked to people who've spoken on college campuses. Larry Reed, who's the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, as an example, talks about the fact that, that he went to give his speech and he felt physically threatened by the crowd. In other words, it's almost like a lynch mob that he was there to uh, voice opinions that were unpopular with the with the uh, students and the faculty there. I mean, it's so uh, I, it's really pleasing to me to hear that there's actually some sort of maybe a silent majority in schools that are looking to uh, reverse these policies. I think that's right. Again, um, uh, part of the danger of having a DEI staff is that they're uh, they're able to organize and and amplify mm -hmm. the voices of a relatively small group of students and faculty. Um, and so what we have to do is dismantle that organizational advantage that the other side has. And then I think the majority will prevail with more common sense. Now, mind you, I mean, the average student is probably further left wing than the listeners here to this show may prefer, but, but they're... Um, they're not radicals um, uh, like the DEI staff uh, often are. Yeah, such a great point, Jay. And that's uh, uh, just so important, the work that you're doing. Uh, you said you have a study about this. I certainly read the column, but uh, are, is more uh, deeper work being done? Well, so this, the study was to document uh, how extensive the anti-Semitism of DEI staff was. And we did this by analyzing what they had to say on Twitter. So, you know, it's, it's kind of an unconventional methodology, but, but as it turns out, people admit their beliefs about things far more readily on Twitter than they might, uh, let's say, in answering a phone call from a pollster. Right. Um, and so this is a window into what DEI staff really think. And what we did is we looked at everything they had to say about Israel and everything they had to say about China. Um, and first, we found that they were relatively obsessed with Israel compared to China. They, mm -hmm. they talked about Israel three times as much as China, hmm. even though China is a much bigger country, has been many reasons for it to be in the news, you know, starting right. a pandemic, uh, um, oppressing Uyghur people, suppressing democratic dissent in Hong Kong. There are lots of reasons to be talking about China, but they're not. They're talking a lot about Israel. 
And then when they talk about Israel, 96% of what they have to say is critical, while when they talk about China, 62% are actually favorable. So, uh, and the way in which they talk about Israel shows clear evidence of anti-Semitism. That is, they apply double standards to Israel that they wouldn't apply to other countries, uh, and they use kind of vitriolic language that is, shows an animus towards Jews and not simply a concern for human rights. Yes, what a shame. Well, Jay, I really appreciate this research and appreciate this interview. Maybe a good place to start is just cutting back the bloated staff that we have in so many universities and get back to you. I, I agree. That's exactly where we need this. We need to starve the beast. Um, <laughs> there's just too much money flowing into universities, and if they have less money, they can indulge less nonsense. Absolutely. Jay Green again with the Heritage Foundation. The website is heritage.org, heritage.org. Jay, appreciate this commentary so much. Happy New Year to you, and thank you so much for joining us you as well and thank you my pleasure indeed all right coming up we're going to be visiting with bill barnett former mayor of naples that and more right here in the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network stay tuned for more of the bob harden show here on the bob harden broadcasting network Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. 
And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board, among other things, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral and fair imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Bob? It's a pleasure uh, at the end of this year and the beginning of a new one. Uh, let's hope that uh, 2022 is uh, is a good one for, for all of us. We could use it. Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, seeing this Omicron virus and uh, some of the recent developments, a little discouraging going into the new year, but I'm hopeful that we'll get this all turned around. Yeah, I, I, I think it depends on how you look at it, because from one side you hear, well, the Omicron itself is pretty mild if you if you if you get it and you've been you know vaxxed and whatever and and that the symptoms are 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 much easier or quite a bit easier than the delta i guess yep Uh, but uh anyway it depends on who you listen to i suppose so you're you happen to be correct you know let's hope it's uh it, it gets better and from what i understand february should be should start to see a a a drop in february of pretty substantial means so we will uh, we'll find out won't we we absolutely will so i uh, would like to check in with you on something that happened yesterday a tiger attacked apparently one of the maintenance workers uh, he stuck his hand into the cage and wanted to feed it or pet it i'm not sure what happened but the tiger grabbed the arm and uh he's uh, the guy was they had to kill the tiger apparently and uh, they ended up flying him off to uh, uh to uh, lee county health care yeah, did did you know for for sure that they killed the tiger? I know they, I know last night when I was looking at it real late that said that uh, they had shot the tiger, but um, a vet had had um, uh, tranquilized it until you know they could see what was going on. I I sure hope that. I sure hope they didn't kill that beast. But, no, um, uh, you know, I, I, all I know is what I read in the Naples Daily News, and I don't really trust all of that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, I mean, we should feel bad for the human being, and I do. I mean, you know, but what the hell was he doing, doing stuff like that? They, they weren't supposed to be anywhere near there. Exactly right. And by the way, uh, just underscoring, I've um, not had anybody on from the zoo recently, but uh, they've got they, it's a terrific, terrific uh, uh, feature here in, in uh, Naples, Florida. Um, you know, it's a great, great facility. Yeah, it's it's been I mean for as many years as you and I can remember, and uh, uh, I go back a long way. There, Jungle Larry was my uh, next door neighbor when we first moved to Naples, huh. and uh, his his kids used to bring home tigers and pet cubs and everything. And my kids and his kids that were about four da- doors down, my, my kids would come home and say, "Daddy, guess what? Guess what? Jungle Larry brought home." <laughs> <laughs> Look at this snake. <laughs> Family and, and a wonderful organization. I just feel bad for for everybody involved, but can't help but feeling like you know, look, this guy, you know, that wasn't and an, he wasn't supposed to be anywhere near that area. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, I, and by the way, for our listeners, uh, the, apparently, I think they still do this that that the first Saturday of the month is free to Naples residents to go to the zoo. 
Yeah, which is a really nice thing, you know, and they've made so many improvements over the years. I mean, it is a fabulous organization, and I just I just feel bad for all involved in this. Let's leave it there. Absolutely. So uh, let's move to the election. You know, the elections are coming up in February. What is it, February 1st or sh- early yeah. in fe- February 1st, uh, fe- early in February? And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I'm not hearing a lot about the candidates. Uh, any any news and scoop? Sure. Sure. Always good for a scoop from from uh, from Bill on uh, on Thursdays from the former mayor. You know that. Um, <laughs> first of all, they looks to me the League of Women Voters has basically canceled their uh, their in person interviews, which they do every year. Uh, they're going to be going uh, virtual, um, and so you can still see the candidates and hear them. Uh, but you'll have to go from your computer at home or, or wherever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one was there's another one. I believe it's the Moorings Property Owners Association. I got a, a, a note this morning that they are um, seriously considering canceling that one also. Uh, maybe they'll go virtual on that. But I can bring you up to date uh, um, more uh, uh, next Thursday. We'll have, a, we'll have a much clearer picture, but I think they're just getting a little nervous. And then, to, to top it off, you know, Bob, I, I talk about it once in a while. I was, um, I, I've been a member of, a, uh, of the Greater Naples Betterment uh, Group on both sides of the picture mm-hmm. for many years. They've been, they're the organization in Naples that is nonpartisan. Uh, we say we're nonpartisan. We are nonpartisan. Uh, we look at the candidates and... Uh, you know, regardless of what their party affiliation is, if they're a good candidate, we'll endorse them. Whether they get elected or not, who knows? But we 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 stick by some pretty pretty uh, uh, rigid uh, rules when we do our interviews and things like that. Um, and so last week, uh, you know, this new candidate, this Beth um, uh, uh, Fortunoff or whatever her last name might be, um, she. Um, never responded to uh, to the emails that were sent to her. Hmm. And there were four emails sent, and the, finally someone reached out to her, and she said, oh, I, I thought it had something to do with something else, and I didn't want to be a part of it. Now, I, I, don't, I don't quite get that. Mm-mm. So we gave her a chance and said, okay, look, we'll make time for you and what have you, and then she was supposed to call and confirm and never did. So she's uh, obviously not going to be not going to be interviewed. I mean, we've been doing this for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And um, it reminds me of what Teresa Heidman did because she found that I after I was done being mayor that I was on that committee. And so she and Mike McCabe decided they weren't going to be interviewed because I was on the committee. Well, I don't I only count for one vote. Right. We, um, and now Mr. Terry Hutchison uh, has also decided that he uh, will pass on the interview. Maybe he's just too good to be, <laughs> you know, uh, e- ego speaking. And I'd love to find out his reason. Um, you know, uh, he thinks he's uh, uh, he, he thinks he is the voice of the uh, of the citizens of Naples. And I can assure you he is not. And this is coming from me. So. Anyway, yes, lots of things going on. I'll I'll bring you up to date as soon as I know something. Yeah. Well, first of all, that behavior just speaks volumes about uh, how they feel about the electorate. My goodness, I mean, it's the whole notion is to make yourself transparent and for people to understand who you are and what you stand for. And if they're not willing to do that, 
Why would that's, we want him in office? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, what do they think we're going to do? Beat them up on that? <laughs> they think because I was the mayor and uh, that I might have some secret questions that I'm going to throw them out there. Well, that's not the case. Yeah. I mean, I have fair questions for each candidate, um, a little different for each candidate, of course, because there's new candidates and there's uh, incumbents. Um, and I have to say, I, I will say this. Uh, the other incumbent, Ray Crispin, has been nothing but cooperative. I mean, can't say enough about him. He, They make a call to him. He calls back. He's confirmed everything. You know, um, and obviously, they, they, there's nothing to hide with Ray. He's, he's, he's pretty much an open book. And uh, I, 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 I kind of like that, you know. So that's bringing you up to date pretty much. Uh, uh, and you asked me something before about the traffic. Uh, in Naples, and I said to you, well, I don't see any traffic because I don't leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good decision. I'll see you in May. Let's <laughs> <laughs> check in with each other then. No, it's, you know what, Bob, we say it every year, but I don't think it's any worse this year than it was last year or no. the year before. Um, I, I think us old timers, and you're included, sorry, in that we're pretty used to it. Yep. You want to Somewhere you, you know you go downtown and you love Blue Provence, it's a wonderful restaurant. It it takes you so you leave ten minutes early, right? That's it. That's it, Bill. Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. I wish you and your family a very happy New Year, and thank you so much for joining us. And yours as well, Bob. Take Th care. Thank you so much, Bill. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, got some comments at the balance on the. Uh, recording is not perfect so we're working on that and i hope uh we'll get it all straightened out we got some new equipment here in the studio so tomorrow we're going to visit with william yateman research fellow at the cato institute uh, naomi perez is the executive director of the immokalee foundation sal nuzo is a vice president at the james madison uh, institute and fred mcmahon will be joining us from the fraser institute as well I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a terrific day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>